Amen. We're turning together in God's Word this evening to Ephesians and to the chapter 5. Ephesians and the chapter 5. A number of weeks ago, uh, we were looking into this chapter and to a particular verse in the chapter, and I want to return to that uh, this evening. But in Ephesians chapter 5, we'll read from the verse 17. Ephesians 5, the verse 17. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, Submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and he is the Savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it, that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife, and they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself, and the wife see that she reverence her husband. Amen. We land there at the end of the chapter, and may the Lord bless his word to each of our hearts this evening. You may recall from a number of weeks ago, I was bringing to your attention the words of verse 18. And in verse 18 we read, And be not drunk with wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And we were considering together being filled with the Spirit. Now, in looking at this verse initially, I really had three main points that I wanted to share with you. 
But the three main points became three separate messages. And I've brought two of them already. And so it has spread out over a good number of weeks because through January uh, we had the minister's week of prayer and then the week of prayer here in the church and then a deputation meeting. And so I'm only coming back uh, to this verse of Scripture now. But you may remember the first message and it was really the command to be filled with the Spirit. And you notice how it's put there in verse 18. It says, be filled. And it comes to us by way of a command. Be filled. It reveals to us something of our need. And we all know we need the infilling of the Spirit. We all know how impossible it is to live the Christian life in the energy of the flesh. It just cannot be done. And therefore, we know tonight by our own experience that we need the infilling of the Spirit. And all through the Bible, you will read of different individuals who were filled with the Spirit. And most particularly in the book of the Acts. And the book of the Acts is called the Acts of the Apostles, but it has been suggested it would be better entitled the Acts of the Holy Spirit through the Apostles, because really the book of Acts and the building up of the church of Jesus Christ, it's the work of God the Holy Spirit. And if you were to just glance into the book of the Acts, you can see some examples of individuals there who were filled with the Spirit. In Acts chapter 4 and the verse 8, it says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Ghost, said unto them, Ye rulers of the people and elders of Israel. And Peter goes on to speak and to witness for the Lord. But you can see the detail. He was filled with the Holy Ghost. And there's an example of an individual that the Lord is going to use and they're now filled with the Holy Spirit of God. In the book of the Acts and the chapter 6, it concerned there the need for deacons. And the exhortation was given in Acts chapter 6 and the verse 3, Wherefore, brethren, look ye out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. And so whenever the need arose for office bearers, for deacons there within the early New Testament church, the criteria was that they would be men of faith, men of honest report, and that they would be filled with the Holy Ghost. And in Acts 6 and the verse 5, Stephen was one such individual. It says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And the others are mentioned too in that passage, but Stephen in particular, a man full of faith and of the Holy Ghost. And in Acts 6 and the verse 8, 
It tells us again, and Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and miracles among the people, knowing that he was a man full of the Holy Ghost. We see as well he's a man who has power. It's not a power of his own. It's the power of God, the Holy Spirit. In the next chapter, Stephen will be martyred for the faith. Stephen will be stoned to death. And there in Acts chapter 7, and in the verse 55, it says, But he, being full of the Holy Ghost, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing on the right hand of God. And what an example Stephen is of a man who was filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Going on into the book of Acts to chapter 11, and there the testimony is given of Barnabas. And in Acts 11, the verse 24, it says of Barnabas, For he was a good man and full of the Holy Ghost and of faith. And much people was added unto the Lord. Another example, an individual who is filled, filled with the Holy Spirit and filled with the Holy Spirit to serve the Lord. In Acts chapter 13 and the verse 9, it concerns here Saul or Paul as he came to be known. But in Acts 13 and 9, then Saul, who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost. And so the apostle Paul in his labors for the Lord was one who was filled, filled with the Holy Ghost. If you go right down Acts chapter 13 to the verse 52, it's the final verse of that chapter. And it says, And the disciples were filled with joy and with the Holy Ghost. You see time and time again these examples that are given to us in the book of the Acts of the need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. We can do nothing of ourselves and therefore, we know why the Apostle Paul is commanding the Ephesians, but be ye filled with the Holy Spirit. Because without the Holy Spirit of God, we can do nothing. And so we're commanded again this evening, be filled, be filled with the Holy Spirit. We also thought about the contrast in our text of Scripture the contrast to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And in Ephesians 5 and verse 18, the apostle said, And be not drunk, and that's a command as well, And be not drunk with wine wherein is access. And there, if you like, is the very opposite. The apostle was giving an illustration here that the Ephesians would have been well familiar with. By their former lifestyles, they knew what it was to be drunk with wine. And here the, the Apostle Paul is commanding them now not to be drunk with wine anymore, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And we thought about what it was to be drunk. That word drunk there comes from the word uh, to soak, to do with the animal skins as they were soaked and saturated. And so the individual who is drunk is soaked with alcohol. 
and they're filled with alcohol, and then that alcohol takes control of them. That's what this verse is about. It's about control. And the apostle says, you know what it was to have been under the control of the wine, but now be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Be under the influence of the Holy Spirit of God. Be under the control of the Holy Spirit of God. Be filled with the Spirit. We gave a couple of examples of what that word filled really meant. It's used in the Gospels and it's used in Matthew 13 and the verse 48 where it was the net and it told us that the net was filled with fish and it was filled to capacity and that's the same word. We have to be filled with the Holy Spirit just as the net would be filled with fish. And then in John 12 and the verse 3, there it wasn't the fish, it was the fragrance. You remember how when the box was broken and that beautiful fragrance, it says it filled the house. It filled the house. And you can imagine that the fragrance just permeated right through that house. You'd only to come in through the door and you would have smelt that sweet scent. It filled the house and that's the word that's used in connection with the Holy Spirit of God. And in relation to the Holy Spirit, we're to be filled, that is filled to capacity, just like the net was filled with fish. And to be filled in the sense that the Holy Spirit of God will influence and control every area and every aspect of our being and of our lives, permeating every area of our lives. Be filled. Be filled with the Spirit. But what does it mean to be filled? How do we know that we're filled? How can we tell that we're filled with the Spirit? Well, that really brings me to my third main point. We've thought about the command to be filled and the contrast to being filled, but tonight, just for a little time, the consequence of being filled. The result, if you like, the result of being filled. There are certain things in the context of the passage that we have read tonight. Certain things there in Ephesians 5 that would serve as a, as a proof that we're filled with the Spirit. And the first thing that we come across here in relation to being filled is the singing. The singing in verse 19. There's praise. Notice what verse 19 says. And it's all in the same sentence here. And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And so here is, if you like, a, a proof of the infilling of the Spirit. And there's this singing of praise unto the Lord. You can see the word singing 
In verse 19, you can see the word songs in verse 19, but it starts with the word speaking. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. The word speaking simply refers to the use of the tongue. And it can refer to any use of the tongue. It might be talking more often than not. That's what the word is used to describe, talking. It could also be used to describe singing. And it can even be used to describe preaching. It's any form of communication with the voice or with the tongue. But here it's most certainly in the context of singing because it's speaking about the psalms and the hymns and the spiritual songs and of singing. And here we can imagine the gathering of God's people together and they're coming together and they're wanting to worship the Lord and they're wanting to sing praises unto the Lord. And the Apostle Paul is encouraging that in this passage of Scripture. And he says, whenever you're filled with the Spirit, well, you'll be singing praises unto the Lord. The psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. And so the singing will be scriptural. It'll be scriptural. It'll be according to God's Word. If you turned over a few pages in your Bible to Colossians and to chapter 3, and there's the parallel passage there. And the Apostle Paul gives a similar exhortation to the Colossians as he has done here to the Ephesians. And in Colossians chapter 3 and the verse 16, he says, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And so in Ephesians, if you were able to compare the two passages there, to the Ephesians, Paul was saying to them, be filled with the Spirit and then sing the psalms, the hymns, and the spiritual songs. But to the Colossians, he doesn't refer to the Spirit. He refers to the Word. And he says, let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, and then sing the psalms, the hymns, and the spiritual songs. And so while these are parallel passages and they're very similar, you can see the difference in emphasis there. One is saying the Spirit be filled with the Spirit. The other is saying let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. But oh, don't miss the connection. Because the one who is filled with the Spirit and who meditates upon the Word of Christ, the Word of God, as it's revealed to us in Holy Scripture, as we meditate upon that Word, the Holy Spirit of God will apply that Word to our hearts and the Word of Christ will dwell in us richly. And being filled with the Spirit of God and being filled with the Word of God We'll sing praises unto the Lord. Therefore, you can see the connection with Paul speaking to the Ephesians and to the Colossians. Then the singing is to be sincere. Sincere. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart 
making melody in your heart. And if you were able again to look at that parallel verse in Colossians 3 and the verse 16, it says, singing with grace in your hearts. And so the Ephesians, they're making melody in their hearts. And the Colossians, they're singing with grace in their hearts. And again, you can see the connection that there is there. And here we have the spirit-filled Christian with the word of God dwelling in their heart. And they're wanting to, to sing praises unto the Lord. And they're singing by the grace of God. And they're making melody in their heart. Melody. That word melody is used in connection with the stringed instruments. And in fact, the word melody comes from the root word to pluck, as you would pluck the strings of an instrument. And here it's plucking the heart strings, making melody in your heart. The grace of God has touched the heart. The grace of God has moved the heart and that heart just wants to utter praise and wants to give worship unto the Lord. There's the spirit-filled Christian. There's the Christian who comes before the Lord with a happy, with a joyful heart, heart that's filled with the Spirit and filled with the Word and filled with grace and filled with melody. Oh, there's the singing there. And it's sincere because it's from the heart. And this, this is spirit-filled praise. And it's to the Lord. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. And again, in that parallel verse in Colossians 3.16, they're singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Coming before the Lord with sincere and with scriptural praise, the spirit-filled Christian. But then I want you to notice as well, another consequence of being filled with the Spirit is not only the singing, but the supplication. And if you look at our Bible reading in verse 20, it says, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. The spirit-filled Christian will be a thankful Christian. There'll be a Christian that will want to come before the Lord with prayer and with supplication and with thanksgiving. Yea, for all the Lord has done for us. May we never cease to praise him. We've much to thank the Lord for. We've always much to thank the Lord for. For his love, his love to our hearts personally, my, we're unworthy and we're undeserving, but the grace of God in ever saving us. And for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ that cleanseth us from all sin and to know the blessedness of sins forgiven and to know that lies before us the very hope of glory, the hope that is both sure and steadfast. We have to be a thankful people. We want to supplicate the throne of grace to thank God for all that he has done for us. Did you notice carefully in those words of verse 20? It says, giving thanks always. 
Why, that's not easy. We would have no difficulty giving thanks to the Lord when all is going well. Everything seems to be working out as we would want it. Everything seems to be on track. Everything seems to be falling into place. And we can give thanks. But the Apostle Paul says always, always. In fact, he goes even further than that. He says, giving thanks always for all things. The good things. The bad things that come our way. We've always to give thanks to the Lord. The psalmist David, in Psalm 34 and the verse 1, you've read this verse many times, I'm sure, and it's easy to read, but it's hard to put it into practice. David said, I will bless the Lord at all times, and his praise shall continually be in my mouth. You know, no matter how difficult things become, and no matter how hard things become or whatever circumstances we could seem to be in, we've always got reason to thank the Lord. Because we can thank the Lord he has saved us from hell's destruction. No matter what else happens, thank God we're saved and we're secure in the Lord Jesus Christ. Over in Ephesians 6 and the verse 18, it says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit. In the Spirit. The Spirit-filled Christian will be the praying Christian, the one who knows what it is to supplicate the throne of heavenly grace. Prayer that is prompted by the Holy Spirit of God. May the Lord put it in our hearts to pray. Thank God tonight you've come to the right place. Always encouraged to see God's people gathering in the place of prayer. Though that we would know that prayer and supplication in the Spirit. And so the consequences of being filled with the Spirit, there's the singing singing of praise to the Lord. And there's the supplication, praying to the Lord. But then thirdly and very quickly, the submission. Look at verse 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. The Spirit-filled Christian will be a Christian who knows what it is to submit. And the subject and the theme of submission that runs through the rest of the chapter, that's a study all in itself. But it's a key principle in the Christian life, that thought of being in submission, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of the Lord. And the apostle is speaking here to the body of Christ. He's speaking to the church. He's speaking to God's people. And he's saying in relation to the assembly and the fellowship of God's people, be in submission one to the other. That word submitting, it's actually a military term. And it means to cease from self. To cease from self. 
If you think of one who joins the army and they sign up to join the army, they're actually placing themselves under the leadership and the command of another. Submission. And you know, if we're going to be able to submit ourselves one to the other in the fear of the Lord, we need to be filled with the Spirit. We'll never do that in the energy of the flesh. I was reading a little bit of Martin Lloyd-Jones' Life in the Spirit is the name of the volume. And he speaks about individuals who are self-centered and self-assertive. They have never ceased from self. They're self-seeking. And he says being filled with the Spirit is the very opposite. Being filled with the Spirit is to submit yourself one to another. And it's in the fear of the Lord. That's the key. You see, it's with an eye to the Lord. It's not so much submitting one to the other. It's submitting first to the Lord. And doing that which will honor the Lord. And we will only do that if we know what it is to be filled with the Spirit. The principle there of submission. The parallel passage in Colossians will not take time to go to it, but our passage relates to husbands and wives. And in Colossians 3, it goes on not only to speak about husbands and wives, but about children and parents and about servants and masters. There's the need for wives to submit themselves onto their own husbands. And there's the need for children to submit themselves onto their parents. And there's the need for servants to submit themselves onto their masters or employees, if we bring it up to today. Employees to submit themselves to their employers. So if we're going to know what it is to submit in all of those various roles and responsibilities, we need to know what it is to be submitted to our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He is the head of his church, and therefore under him we're all in submission. And then the husband who is to be in submission to Christ is to be the head of the home, and the wife by way of the instruction of Scripture is to be in submission to her husband. But the husband is commanded to love his wife, and he's to love his wife as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. It's a sacrificial love. Therefore, we need the infilling of the Spirit. And if we know the infilling of the Spirit, we'll sing together, and we'll supplicate together, and we'll submit one to another in the fear of the Lord. And for further proof as a consequence of the infilling of the Holy Spirit of God, you could not leave out the fruit of the Spirit. And some time back we preached a series of messages on the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. 
Against such there is no law. Let us see in our lives are the consequences there, is the fruit of the Spirit there. Do we know then that we're filled with the Spirit? And may we continue to know that, that the Lord would come daily upon us.